Can you hear? Can you hear me? I cry to you with all my power. Through the veil of Jesus' flesh, from this valley strewn with tears, I can climb up to the mountain of the Father. For he lives to hear the pleas from his children, worn and weak, as they come into his presence with their prayers. God, can you hear? Can you hear? Can you hear me? God, can you hear me now? God, can you hear? Can you hear? Can you hear me? I cry to you with all my power. I can pray in Jesus' name for my will to be the same. For the Father wants to mold me in His image. For He knows what's best for me. If I'm bound or if I'm free, I can come into His presence with my prayers. God, can you hear? Can you hear? Can you hear me? God, can you hear me now? I know that God, you will hear, you will hear, you will hear me. You will heal me. You will hold me. Waiting. I don't know hardly anybody who likes waiting, yet there's so much of our life that actually consists of waiting. And what I want us to kind of take a look at is just a few examples from Scripture of different people who waiting on the Lord was a kind of a key part in the whole story. And if we aren't careful, we can easily read through these stories that we read about in the Bible, and we can just go from one thing right to the next and then just, just skip over how much time it actually takes, how much waiting there is on the Lord. And then we look at our own lives today, and we think, why is God not doing these amazing things that we read about in the Scriptures? Usually it's because we're just not waiting enough. When we wait on the Lord, we can see great things because he works in his time, not ours. Uh, let's take a look at some examples together. Probably the earliest example that I could think of from the, the scriptures comes to us in the book of Genesis, and that is with the person of Noah. How often do we stop and think about how much waiting there was at so many crucial times? Like, think about this. Think about actually building the ark. Now, I, I am so blessed to have, uh, have been to the uh, ark encounter here in Kentucky, and it is, it's, a, it's a beautiful structure, and it's huge. And it took them, well, actually, I don't know how long it took them to build it. And they, they even had, you know, modern uh, machinery that they could use. But Noah was building the ark a long time ago. It took a long time to do it. So in Genesis chapter 6, verses 12 through 14, how oftentimes do we ever stop and think about this? God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I am going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood. And he goes on and he describes about exactly how Noah is supposed to build this ark, how he's going to make this ark for himself and for his family, and it is going to take a lot of time. In fact, 
I don't really know how long it takes. And some people even think because of a, of a uh, verse earlier in this chapter of Genesis 6 that it might have even taken perhaps 120 years. I, I don't know, but maybe. It would have taken a long time for Noah to build that ark. And there was a lot of waiting because God gave him the, the blueprints for it. He told him exactly how to do it. He told him that it was going to happen, but Noah still had to wait. Now, that waiting wasn't just one that he just kind of, you know, sat around and just like just twiddled his thumbs. Or, no, no, no. He had to build the ark. He had to do something. So a lot of times our own waiting, it consists of doing things as well. But this is only one example in the whole flood story with Noah that there was waiting involved. So he had to build the ark. That's the first time that we see waiting. The second time, you see that he actually has to wait for the flood to come. Now, read this because um, so oftentimes we can overlook this. In Genesis chapter 7 verse 1, we read, The Lord then said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. Okay, so they go in in verse 1, right? Now verse 4, Seven days from now, I will send rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights, and I will wipe from the face of the earth every living creature I have made. And Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. Have you ever noticed that here in verse 4, God tells Noah that seven days from now, so they went into the ark and I guess they were kind of preparing everything, sort of getting used to the, the routine, the schedule that they were going to be keeping up for the next several days. And in seven days time, a week, they spent and nothing even happened. <laughs> Could you imagine the conversation that Noah would have with his family right there that week before the flood started? Because they, they boarded the ark and there's no flood. On the first day, the second day, all the way up to the seventh day, there's still no flood. Now, I don't know exactly how much um, kind of they all knew that ahead of time, but God did tell them seven days from now, there was a waiting for the mighty act of God for that flood to happen. And then we see, of course, that the 40 days and 40 nights is oftentimes mentioned. I mean, that's a pretty long time to have to wait, right? However, if you actually look a little bit more, there was a lot more time where Noah had to wait on the ark. So the third time that Noah had to wait was for a full year that there was actually on the ark. I love in Genesis chapter 8 verse 1, at the very middle of this whole story, we read, But God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and the livestock that were with him on the ark, and he sent a wind over the earth, and the waters receded. So everything up to of uh, chapter 8 verse 1, I'll get, get my words right in a moment. Everything up to Chapter 8, verse 1, the flood waters are building up and everything's going up. And then after this verse, now they start going down. And, and it's, it's wonderful to kind of see how the beginning um, sort, of, sort of mimics the end and they, they come together and they make this, this wonderful story. But God remembered Noah and everything, every living thing that was on the ark. But have you ever noticed that in Genesis chapter 7, verse 6, it says, Noah was 600 years old when the floodwaters came on the earth. And then if you go all the way down to chapter 8, verse 13, by the first day of the first month of Noah's 601st year, the water had dried up from the earth. Noah then removed the covering from the ark and saw that the surface of the, dry, of the ground was dry. Now, if you actually want to get, get technical, I didn't get into all of this, but if you want to look at it, uh, there was even more than a full year spent on the ark. It's a lot longer than just that 40 days. I mean, if 40 days and nights wasn't enough, that's a month and a half, pretty much. No, no, no. We're talking about a full year on the ark with only Noah 
his wife, his three sons, and their wives, and all the animals on the ark for a full year. Now that is waiting on God. Maybe there's a lot that we can learn from Noah about patience, about waiting on the Lord. But he is just kind of really pretty much the first example that we get to. And he's one of my personal favorites, but he's by far the last one. In fact, almost every single individual that you can think of in the Bible had some time period in which they needed to wait on the Lord. Sometimes they had to do things like building the ark or you know something like that. Sometimes they were just waiting fully on what God was doing for his actions to start. And sometimes they were being carried through a rough time like Noah and his family on the ark. They were being carried through that, but God brought them safely through. God remembered them always, and he uh, provided for them the whole time. A lot we can learn when we choose to wait with the Lord and on the Lord. But Noah's just the first example. Let's look at another. Now let's move to the person of Moses. When you look at Moses, I want to kind of point out that you've got 80 years for God to call him. Now, of course, he did a whole lot, you know, in between all this time and and everything. So we get some of these numbers specifically uh, laid out very conveniently for us. In a sermon that Stephen preached in the New Testament, in Acts chapter 7, verses 23 and 24, Stephen says, when Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his own people, the Israelites. He saw one of them being mistreated by an Egyptian, so he went to his defense and avenged him by killing the Egyptian. You know, we kind of know that that part of the story, and we see that after that, after he was 40 years old, okay, you know, there was a whole lot that was leading up to that point. Okay, okay we, we get that. And Moses is supposed to be this deliverer. So he's 40 years old, then he ends up killing the Egyptian, and after that time, what he does is he has to flee to Midian. So he goes to a foreign land for several years, right? In fact, according to verse 30 of Acts 7, Stephen says, After 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to Moses in the flames of the burning bush in the desert near Mount Sinai. He's 80 years old whenever God calls him from the burning bush. He was 40 whenever he left Egypt, and then another 40 years passed before God calls him from the burning bush. Moses had to spend 80 years waiting on the Lord. But, you know, even whenever you get to the burning bush, let's kind of think about this. When you get to the burning bush itself in Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, listen to this, and maybe something might stand out to you about waiting. Now, Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. Have you ever noticed, in order for him to pay attention to this burning bush, it wasn't something that he instantly noticed. It would have been something that would have taken time. Because, yes, he has to see that the bush is burning. Okay, well, it's on fire, okay? If you've ever seen something on fire, you know, you could see it. And then how much time passed before he realized something's going on? Because it's on fire, you see it burning, but, you know, most of the time you don't see things just instantly burn up. It takes time. So he's sitting around and he's watching this bush burn for at least long enough that he's starting to realize it should be burnt by now. But it hasn't been. That's why verse 3 says, I'll go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. In order for him to notice this miracle of the burning bush, he had to wait on the Lord. He had to spend a little bit of time there waiting 
and paying attention to his surroundings, paying attention to what God was doing. And that's whenever God called him from that burning bush and told him to go back to Egypt and deliver his people. Where was he supposed to deliver his people to? Deliver the people of the Lord to? Well, the third thing was he Moses was going to lead the people to the promised land. That was the whole purpose in them leaving uh, Egypt. And that's why in Exodus 3, verses 7 through 10, the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, a home, uh, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. In order for the people of Israel to enter the promised land, hundreds of years of time had to pass. Talk about waiting. Now Moses, of course, didn't live during all that time, and he didn't see it specifically. But during the times of Moses, we see that final fulfillment of that, that prophecy, that promise that God said he's going to send them into this good land, this land flowing with milk and honey. That's why Moses was going to lead the people out of Egypt, and they were going to enter the promised land. That's another area where we can see this waiting on the Lord from Moses. We see it took 80 years for God to call him. It took, I don't know how long, how many minutes or maybe even an hour or so to see that bush didn't burn up just yet. Something strange was happening. A miracle was taking place. And then the third thing about entering into the promised land. There's something we can learn about the promises of God. He is faithful to what he says. And God is paying attention. Just as he remembered Noah right here, he says, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. God knows. God knows what you're going through. He knows what I'm going through. He knows what Moses and Noah went through as well. There's still plenty of more people from us to look at, but let's fast forward again several more, uh, more than a thousand years past the time of Moses, and let's go to the person of Jesus, because I want you to think about waiting when it comes to Jesus. For starters, uh, within his own ministry, of course there were several times that the, the disciples had to wait for him, but there's three times that I want us to really think about waiting for Jesus. Could you imagine what those three days after his death would have been like? In fact, in Luke chapter 24, we get a couple of, of uh, the disciples of Jesus not realizing they're talking to Jesus, and they start to explain the things that have happened. So Jesus kind of acts like he doesn't know what's going on, and they say, well, you know, are you the only person who hasn't heard this news? Then they explain it to him in Luke 24, verses 19 through 21, and they say, Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. And they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is now the third day since all this took place. And he goes on and, he, well, they go on and they, they tell him this story and that, you know, hey, there's this, there's this story that Jesus has actually raised up from the dead. And then, yeah, it's Jesus that they're talking to. It would have been an amazing moment whenever their eyes were finally open and they realized they'd been talking to Jesus the whole time. But here in this instance, what we see is it's these disciples. They're kind of disappointed because 
It's been three days after his death, and they had hoped for great things in Jesus. But it had been three days since all those things took place, and they were wondering, what was God doing right there? These disciples were have to, having to wait on the Lord. So those are three days. Would have been a rough three days to try to figure out what is going on and what is going to happen in the future. However, there's another period of time connected with Jesus that would have been a very difficult time too. That second time period that I'm talking about is the 10 days until Pentecost happened. Now, in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, we read, On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the, for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then if you keep reading in Acts 1, you find out that Jesus, he ascends into heaven, but he had already told them, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift that my father promised. So he ascends into heaven, and then... You got 10 days that they have to wait until the day of Pentecost. Now, I don't know if they knew that they were you know, going to receive the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost or, or what. He just tells them, wait for the gift my father promised. I don't know what they were thinking. I don't know if they thought, hey, maybe he's going to do something at Pentecost. I, I don't know. Jesus just told them to wait. They ended up having to wait for 10 days because he... He was already appearing before many people for, for a period of 40 days, but then he goes up into heaven and he's gone. He's nowhere on the earth and they hadn't received the Holy Spirit yet. But in Acts 2, that's whenever they do receive the Holy Spirit. And then they start praising God and explaining to the people around them these great things that have taken place, but they still had to go through those waiting periods. They had to go through that 10 days without Jesus. They had to go through those three days whenever he was in the ground. But Jesus came through. He conquered death. And the Holy Spirit came among the church and did great things. There's a third and final period of waiting that I think you have to talk about whenever you, you're looking at Jesus. That third time period of waiting is the 2,000 plus years for him to return. Now, I mean, I guess if you want to get technical, I don't know that we've really reached the 2,000-year mark just yet, but I'm using round numbers here. It's a long time since Jesus went up into heaven. And in Acts 1, verse 11, after he does um, go up into heaven, there's angels that say this to his followers. They say, Men of Galilee, they said, Why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. And then also, I love how the Apostle Paul reminds us in the book of 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. You know, today is the first day of the week, and, and we uh, oftentimes remember the Lord's death whenever we take of communion. But during that time period, the Apostle Paul, he says, For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We have a promise that Jesus is going to return. But there has been a time period of about 2,000 years that we have been waiting for the return of our king. I don't know how many more years we're going to be waiting for Jesus to return. I know he is going to be coming back, and I know that we better be ready whenever he returns. Just like we better be busy building the ark, like what Noah was. Of course, we don't need to build an ark, but we need to be busy working, doing what God has asked us to do. No matter what time period in life we might be at, 
Maybe we might even be like Moses and 80 years old before God calls us to action, but we need to answer that call and follow him because we can see great things if we choose to wait on the Lord. There have been several time periods connected with Jesus that it's been difficult to wait for him. Those three days while he was in the tomb, those 10 days while he was up in heaven and gone and the Holy Spirit hadn't come. And now we are waiting during this time period for Jesus to return. This is good news because we know he's coming back. We know that we need to be ready for the return of Jesus. Ready, Lord, ready, Lord, I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord, I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord, I want to be ready for the judgment day. When the bridegroom comes, will I be there to meet him in the air? And will my lamp be burning bright? Will my Lord find me prepared? Yes, I'll be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready for the judgment day. If the master comes today, will I be in or cast away? And will he find me faithful there? Will my Lord find me prepared? Yes, I'll be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready for the judgment day. If the Lord should choose delay, will I be true until that day? And will my oil be plenty then? Will my Lord find me prepared? Yes, I'll be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready for the judgment day.